We've got three for three on this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. What do I mean by that? Stick around. I'll tell you coming up next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast, part of the Lachlan Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you. Happy Monday to everybody. We are now in the last week here of uh, March, which means we are rolling into April. The draft is coming up on us shortly. The off-season conditioning program will get started shortly in another week or so. We'll have a mini camp this week. So a lot of stuff coming up in the land of the Giants. And of course, we here at the Lockdown Giants podcast will bring that all to you. And uh, thank you for making the Lockdown Giants podcast your first listen of the day, or if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Today's episode is brought to you in part by our friends over at betonline.net. BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online where the game starts. All right, folks, we've got a special three-on-three uh, three show for you today. So let me explain what that is. I have three different topics, mini topics, that I'm going to cover in each of the segments today. And within each topic, I have three points I want to make about them. So it's kind of a three-on-three three type of deal. And it uh, should be a lot of fun, I think. So um, we will jump right into that. And uh, we're going to kick it off with my first of three items. And then I'm going to give you three reasons to support it. All right. So the first item is three reasons why I like what General Manager Joe Shane has done so far in free agency. All right. So. Joe Shane, now just a disclaimer here. I know right now it's the off season. Everybody, you know, you can point to different teams and say that they won the off season, that, you know, they made the smart moves or they didn't make the smart moves and whatnot. But in looking at what Joe Shane, the new Giants general manager did with the uh, limited cap salary cap space that he had, I really like what he's done. And I have three reasons why I like what he's done. Number one, he has dumped contracts, overinflated contracts, and has not been afraid to rip the bandage off. All right. So, for example, Kyle Rudolph gone. Devonta Booker, even though Devonta Booker was was a solid backup for them last year, gone. They were able to replace these guys with cheaper contracts. All right. Logan Ryan is probably the best example here. Logan Ryan was the guy they didn't really have to, you know, they didn't save a whole lot of money when they got rid of that contract off their books. It was only like a $775,000 savings. But Joe Shane not hanging on to guys who don't fit into the long term plans of this team. So coming in, not really looking so much as production at production, but looking more in the way of does the player fit what the coaches want to do? Does the player have a long-term future with the team? And if not, he's gone. You know, production is, is great. You know, a lot of these guys that were trimmed off the roster, off the books, 
um, didn't really have great production, but some of them did. And Joe Shane, not afraid to say, you know, okay, look, we're going to clean out some of the, I don't want to say mistakes of the last regime, but some of the fits for the, from the last regime that don't fit us moving forward. So that right off the bat is something that I tip my hat to Joe Shane for doing. All right. The second thing he has done that I really like is if yet have you ever heard the expression necessity is the mother of invention and uh, you know that's an expression basically that sometimes a need prompts you to find a way to do something or invent something that ultimately can help make your life a lot easier well the giants came into the 2022 off season with not a lot of salary cap space we all know that we all know that they didn't have a lot of salary cap space so we all kind of knew that they weren't going to be big spenders in free agency. I think, you know, we resigned ourselves to that fact. That being said, what the lack of salary cap space has done in terms of that saying necessity is the mother of invention, um, <clears throat> it has prevented the Giants from spending like wild men out of control on guys who are going to be backups or who are maybe not going to have as big of a role on the team, whether it be offense or defense. Now, let me give you an example. All right. With the old regime, Jonathan Stewart was signed to kind of a hefty contract for a backup. Now, I know back in 2018, he was signed before the Giants drafted Saquon Barkley, but as far back as February of that year, I think everybody knew that the Giants were going to take Saquon Barkley if he was on the board, which they did. So if your plan was to have Jonathan Stewart be the backup, why are you paying him like a low-level starter? It never really made sense. I know why they wanted him. Um, I wouldn't have had any problems with them signing him if he had signed a, a lesser contract, but they just you know, poured a lot of money into the guy that could have been spent elsewhere. All right. Um, another, you know, a, a more recent example, if if we're talking, uh, Tyrod Taylor. Now that's a, an example of a contract that I absolutely love. And here's why. Tyrod Taylor was signed as a backup to Daniel Jones. But the contract was constructed in such a way that if Tyrod Taylor needs to step in and start for Daniel Jones, if he's injured or for whatever reason isn't ready to go by the time, you know, the regular season starts, um, he can also step in for Daniel Jones if come 2023, the Giants decide that Daniel is not the guy for them. Um, the contract can be adjusted. So there's like kind of like flexibilities and triggers and whatnot that can turn a backup contract into a starter's contract. And that's a real creative move that I love that, that uh, what Joe Shane has done. I absolutely love that approach because you reward the guy if he meets a certain number of, you know, a certain percentage of example, uh, playing snaps, uh, games played, so on and so forth. And if he doesn't, you pay him like a backup. So th these contracts that he's been giving out aren't just strict, no frills type deals, you know, where one size fits all, you know, kind of like, again, Jonathan Stewart 
where he was kind of paid like a low-level starter, they're flexible enough, these contracts, to where if a guy is going to play like a starter, he's going to be paid like a starter. If he's not, he's not. There's there's uh, maneuverability in these contracts, and I love that. That's a great use of the salary cap, limit of cap, salary cap space. And um, and don't even get me started here on all the VSBs, veteran salary benefits that Joe Shane has handed out, which, um, you know, a great move there. I mean, the Gi- the difference between, I think, what the Giants did this year with the veterans uh, salary benefits, VSBs, versus last year when they signed a bunch of guys to VSBs, is the talent was a better fit. And that actually leads me to point number three of this particular segment. The guys that the Giants signed have tremendous flexibility, position flexibility. So it wasn't just an example of, you know, like let's say, for example, Danny Shelton signed last year. Danny Shelton was strictly a nose tackle. Didn't work out, unfortunately, but strictly a nose tackle. And he got a VSB. Okay, great. But you look at guys signed like Jihad Ward, for example, um, guard Jameel Douglas. These are guys that can play multiple spots. So you're optimizing that contract. So in other words, you're paying off a VSB, which counts for a little over a million against the cap. But you're basically getting multiple guys in one body, if you know what I mean. So again, taking Jamil Douglas as an example, Douglas can play center, he can play guard, in an absolute pinch, he could play offensive tackle. Hasn't done it in the pros, but he played it in college. So you've got one guy that could potentially play anywhere you need him to on the offensive line. And you're paying him the equivalent of a little, I think it's $1.045 million against your salary cap. That, ladies and gentlemen, is tremendous value. And that is um, a, a hallmark, a staple, if you will, of all these undrafted free agents. I'm sorry, of all these veteran free agents, um, unrestricted free agents. Um, that's a, a characteristic that most of them share, that the positional value. Um, plug them in anywhere. And now you're also... As a side note, you are giving your coaching staff more flexibility, which, I mean, how many coaching staffs can claim that? So let's say, let's take the offensive line again, for example. All right, John Feliciano can play center or guard. We know he's going to play center, but he could play guard too if need be. Mark Lewinsky can play either guard spot. Jameel Douglas can play center or guard, as I mentioned, and neither guard spot there. So now you're giving the coaches a lot of different options, and you haven't even gotten to the draft yet to where, you know, oh, hey, by the way, I'm drafting you guys a starting offensive tackle who can play either left or right, and now if you want to move Andrew Thomas from left tackle to right tackle, you have that option. So there's a lot of flexibility, and I think the more flexibility you give a coaching staff – the more likely they're going to hit the right combination and the more likely you're going to get off to a good start. You're not going to have as many weak links. So I, so far, love the job that Joe Shane has done with these with, with free agency. I think 
You know, he's covered all the bases. He's approached it the right way. He hasn't overspent on anybody because obviously he can't. But more importantly, he's been very judicious with how he's spent. And, you know, is it going to pay off for the Giants? Well, we'll find out, obviously, in a few months. But, um, you know, if you were assigning a grade to the job that Joe Shane has done so far this offseason, I'd give him an A. And that's, again, no big splashes made. But I have no problem giving the man an A for the effort and for the approach and for having a plan and for not being afraid to rip the bandages off in certain spots because you know guys like Logan Ryan aren't necessarily going to be a, a part of your team moving forward. So good job, Joe Shea. Let's see if it if it yields anything, you know, positive as far as wins and losses. But for sure, Joe Shane has his team based on this this phase of the roster building process, which was important, by the way, on the right track. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but without the calories and sugar. Most Built Bars contain about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, and they taste great. Built Bar offers nine amazing flavors and nut and nut-free variety, plus a rotating limited-time offering of different flavors that changes every few weeks. Head on over to BuiltBar.com today to see what their current lineup looks like and take 15% off your first order with our special promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I am Patricia Trena, and we've got three things about three things on today's podcast. Three separate topics uh, we're talking about, and I've got three points that I want to make about each. And um, just really, you know, some interesting things that I was jotting down. I was going to turn this into a notebook over on Giants Country, but I said, you know what? Let me just turn them into a podcast. It's just a little easier to do it on a podcast and to also, you know, discuss it and present it to you guys and gals. So hope you are enjoying it. And also as a reminder, folks, before I forget, Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. Don't forget, I'll remind you later, but, you know, just put that, jot that down if you're at your desk and you need to remember what's up, what the programming is. So, all right. The next thing, item number two on my list of three things, moving Saquon Barkley. Now, I have spoken about this before. I have said that I can make a case for moving him. I can make a case for keeping him. I want to revisit this because um, to me, I still say it makes the most sense to look to move him. And I have three reasons behind that. Number one, if the Giants are doing a full rebuild to where their priority is, look, let's not worry about the playoffs. Let's just get the right players in here. Let's build the culture. Let's build a locker room. Let's be competitive. Let's build up our competitiveness. But let's not worry about, you know, the postseason until next year. Then commit to that. And for the most part, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, they have committed to that. But here's the thing, you know, I look at Saquon Barkley who I love as a player, by the way. All right. He's a tremendous player. I do not think he is in any way, shape or form finished despite all the injuries he's had. 
But I also don't think he's in the long-term plans of this team. And for a couple reasons. Number one, if Brian Dable's offense is coming down from Buffalo, if, if this Giants offense is going to have a, a heavy Buffalo flavor to it, I don't believe the Bills ran the ball as much as they maybe should have. I think if I remember correctly, one of the chief complaints a lot of people had about Brian Dable's offense is that he abandoned the run and was quicker to go to the passing game. So if that's the case, and let's look at some numbers here, all right? The Bills receivers last year had 70 receptions at an average of 5.49 yards per catch. All right, now you've got Saquon Barkley who has speed. He could be a, a matchup nightmare. But for that kind of production, do you really need a guy who, you know, is 7.2 million against your cap, who probably after this season, if he balls out, is going to want a, a nice size contract? I don't know. I mean, to me, identify what your offense is going to be about. Is it going to be built around the running game? Is it going to be built around the passing game? Is it going to be a combination of the two? And if it is a combination of the two, can you get away with a, I don't want to say a lesser player, but a, a you know, a player with, with, who can give you 5.49 yards per reception. So that's what the Giants need to determine. And for me, I don't think Saquon Barkley fits that. I think he's a luxury. He has always been a luxury on this team. And if he is not in the future, move him. Get draft picks. All right? Now, here's the thing. You're not going to get a number one draft pick for Saquon Barkley. To me, you know, Barkley, when he came out of school, there was no doubt he was a number one, you know, a, a first round pick. He was a top 10 pick. You can argue he was a top five pick. All right. The years have gone by. He's got some tread on his tires. He's had some devastating injuries. He is no longer worth a number one pick or a top five pick. So if you were to move him, could you hope for a second round pick? Maybe, but I think that would be that would be being a little too um, uh, optimistic or aggressive, if you will. Um, could you move him for a third round pick? It would depend on where in the third round. Maybe you can get away with that. Could you move him for a fourth or a fifth? Yeah, I think you could. All right. So you know, again the value of the player starts to drop, especially when you consider the production versus the injuries. You know, Barkley, look, let's let's make it clear here. The man's got tremendous skills. And if he is healthy and has a good line in front of him, he can ball out. But is he going to be the central focus of this Giants offense? I don't think he is. So why would you want to keep him and his $7.1 million salary, or I'm sorry, $7.2 million? It doesn't make sense that if you can find a trade partner for him that gives you back a fourth round pick, I'd take it, quite frankly. You know, maybe I'm, I'm being foolish or I'm underselling the whole process here, but I would take it. It's better than having him walk away 
after the the year is over, um, and now you have to wait for a comp pick to the ne- the following year. I I just don't see the logic in that. So that would be point number one I would make. Point number two, and I've made this point before, and I'm going to tell you why a point I've made this made this point that I've made is flawed. I have said in the past that maybe the Giants want to keep Saquon Barkley around because he could potentially help Daniel Jones. All right, you want to have good playmakers around your quarterback. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, do you know who's going to help Daniel Jones the most? It's not going to be Saquon Barkley. It's not going to be Brian Dable. It's not going to be Kenny Galladay or Kadarius Toney. Okay? It's going to be Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has to help himself. And if you go back and you look at the biggest flaws of Daniel Jones, it's not because he hasn't had Saquon. It's not because so much, um, you know, his receivers were injured. It's not all because his offensive line was terrible. All right. Were they factors? Yes. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. They were definitely factors, but were they the main factors? I think one of the main factors was Daniel Jones himself. And by that, I mean, you go back, you look at the tape. Daniel Jones put the ball in harm's way a lot of times. Daniel Jones, when he dropped back to pass, if his first read wasn't there, it looked like he wasn't trusting his second and third reads. And he played a guessing game, which is dangerous. And for me, the biggest red flag last year with Daniel Jones is that in year two of the same offensive system, he was still struggling to get that game to slow down for him. And that concerned me. So that's what I mean when I say at the end of the day, the person who's going to help Daniel Jones the most is Daniel Jones, not Saquon Barkley. So um, I, I'm basically, you know, correcting myself on that point that I've made before. I mean, you know, again, you want to have playmakers around Daniel, but at the end of the day, a good quarterback can turn average players into superstars. And uh, for for proof of that, go back and look at all the um, run-of-the-mill receivers that Eli Manning played with that had success. A good quarterback can do that, all right? Um you have to have some talent, obviously, but a good quarterback could help elevate you. And that's what the Giants need for Daniel Jones to start doing, elevating the talent around him. And that's how they're going to know that they have a franchise quarterback in him. But, okay, I digress a little bit. I'm getting off the track a little bit here. This is all about moving Saquon Barkley. So, again, point number three, you don't want to give away Saquon Barkley for a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick that that's just too low that's that's crazy but you have to kind of keep your expectations realistic again if you can get a fourth rounder i wouldn't go any lower than a fifth rounder quite honestly if i were the giants and i were looking to trade them you know maybe i would even tell a team give me a fourth round pick that can turn turn into a conditional third If Saquon meets certain criteria, whether it be rushing for a thousand yards, um, you know, 80 receptions, playing in in, uh, 
you know, I don't know, 16 of the 17 games, whatever conditions you want to attach to it. That's the type of deal I would try to look for if I were Joe Shane and I were looking to move Saquon Barkley. Now, the question is, is can the Giants get something of that sort for Barkley? That's that's to be determined. I think right now, um, if I had to take a guess, there might be some hesitation of teams to take the gamble on Barkley because at times last year, Barkley, you know, even though um, he was coming off that, that uh, torn ACL and the surgery, there were times he didn't quite look like he trusted that leg and he didn't have the explosiveness. And if you're a team that potentially is thinking about trading for him, you might say to yourself, you know what? I don't know if I want to trade a conditional fourth round pick for a guy who I'm not really sure if he's a hundred percent back. You know, I don't want to know if I want to go out on a limb and say that, okay, I think this guy can be what he was in 2018 or what he, you know, it looked like he was going to be coming out of Penn state in 2018. So that's where the conundrum kind of comes in for the Giants and for a potential trade partner. But look, bottom line is if the Giants have an opportunity to move on from Barkley and get that $7.2 million back, which is, by the way, is guaranteed, fully guaranteed, I would do it, you know, if I were them. I wouldn't sit there and, and, and say, well, I've got to have a second round pick. I've got to have at least a third round pick. I would be happy with a conditional fourth. So... Is that going to be enough to, to get it done if an offer comes in? Well, we'll find out if, if, if again, an offer comes in. All right, one final point that I want to make on Saquon Barkley, and this has been raised by others, that maybe the Giants are concerned that if they trade him away, that he'll bowl out for another team. I'm sorry, folks. I don't necessarily buy that, and I'll tell you why. Players come and go all the time. The Giants just lost Lorenzo Carter. They traded away B.J. Hill a couple of years, um, last year. All right. B.J. Hill played well for the Bengals, earned a second contract. All right. Lorenzo Carter started to come on at the end of last year. Who's to say he won't turn around and have a strong season? Or Evan Ingram might benefit from you know, the, the change of scenery, moving down to Jacksonville. These are the risks you take with with players, all right? You can't keep everybody. Sometimes you've got to make decisions. I mean, the Giants, remember a few years ago, they cut Romeo Aquara, who went to Detroit and balled out. Stuff like this happens. Then again, there are times when, you know, you, you move on from a player and you never hear from them again. It's a risk. I get it. But it should not be a risk that should paralyze the Giants to the point where they don't want to move Saquon Barkley or, oh, my God, we can't move him because this guy might ball out if we do. No. Move him to an AFC team if, you, if you're that concerned about it. See if the Bills want him. You know, I mean, that that's not a good reason, good enough reason, in my opinion, not to move Saquon Barkley if the opportunity is there. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, if you are tired of dealing with low energy, poor gut health, or just having to take supplement after supplement, 
you need to check out Athletic Greens. This easy-to-mix powder dissolves quickly into a glass of water, and it's like a turbocharge to your system without the bad taste and without the jitters. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. Athletic Greens is lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, whatever diet you happen to be on, it fits. And it's super affordable at just less than $3 a day for a full range of nutrition. So what are you waiting for? Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. And if you act now, Athletic Greens will give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership of your health and to pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to segment three of the Locked on Giants podcast. We're talking three for three, three ideas or general topics that I've come up with and three uh, supporting topics or subtopics to each. So just something a little different to get your week started. And again, as a reminder, tomorrow we have Twitter Tuesday. Already some of you have sent in your questions. They're fantastic questions as always. And uh, send them in. You know what to do. Um, The instructions are down in the show notes, but uh, you can also tweet them to me at Patricia underscore Trina. My Twitter handle is below if you're watching on YouTube. Make sure you tag them Ask P Train. Can't stress that enough, folks, because that way they show up on my screen. I can grab them and I can build them into the podcast. So uh, make sure you do that. And I will also tweet out a reminder um, to to get the questions in. You can respond to that tweet. And this way everything will be, you know, all nice and neat and I'll be able to find everything. So look forward to your questions as always. Item number three on our three for three Monday. The three most intriguing off-season additions so far by the New York Giants. All right, so who do I like and why? I'm going to start off with defensive end Jihad Ward. All right, signed to a VSB, Veteran Salary Benefit Contract. And um, for this segment, actually, just an FYI, if you want to check out Giants Country, we have write-ups on all these guys and what they what they bring to the table and where their weaknesses are. Coach Gene Clemens did a great job with that, by the way. But here's why I like Jihad Ward. You know, he's a pass rusher. Obviously, he's had experience playing with um, Don Martindale, the defensive coordinator in, in his system down in Baltimore. But... This point, which I've got to give credit to Coach Gene for making this point because I think it's a really good point and and an underrated point. Lorenzo Carter, when he was here, weighed, what, about 250, 250 pounds, if I'm not mistaken? And they played him on the edge, outside linebacker. Sometimes they had him down at defensive end with his hand in the dirt um, as as a wide nine. 
Oftentimes, Lorenzo Carter was going up against a guy who outweighed him by 20, 30 pounds or more and just didn't get the push and the production. With Jihad Ward, he's got the size. He's got legitimate 4-3 defensive end size. So he's like 260 or something like that, 270. He's a little bit better of a physical matchup against these bigger offensive tackles. So therefore, you know, in past rushing situations, I could see Jihad Ward potentially being a productive guy for the Giants. I think he's going to be one of those under-the-radar types that is going to be really productive for them in the pass rush. So I, I like that move. I think that was definitely one of the most underrated moves that the Giants made in free agency. The second one that I want to talk about, also staying on the defensive side of the ball, is nose tackle Justin Ellis. All right. Now, when the Giants lost Austin Johnson, who was a guy, by the way, I hope they would re-sign, but I didn't think realistically they were going to be able to. When they lost Austin Johnson, I thought, oh, gosh, that's not good. Because, look, I knew that I didn't think they were going to re-sign Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton, as a rotational nose tackle, really didn't deliver the goods. And for whatever the reason, the Giants haven't really played Dexter Lawrence, who played nose tackle when he was in college, in that spot. And I don't know why that is. I guess maybe they were looking to try to get more out of him as a as a pass rusher. But um, apparently this coaching staff doesn't, doesn't think that's the way to go with him either because they went out and they signed Justin Ellis, who is a true nose tackle. He is a space eater. Yes, he is a two-down player. Okay, he's not a guy who's going to be on the field for a pass rushing situation, unless you're going to put him in there to collapse the pocket and, and take up multiple blockers. Then I can see certain, you know, certain instances where he'll be in there. But as a pure pass rusher, I don't think you're going to see him that often. But he's a good stopgap situation. Again, a veteran salary benefit signing. And it's going to allow the Giants to draft a youngster to play that position down the line and not have to maybe be in a hurry to, to plug that guy into the starting lineup when they have a veteran capable of delivering the goods as a pass, uh, I'm sorry, as a run stopper and a big body uh, type that can eat up multiple blocks and free things up maybe for the pass rushers behind him. All right, so I like that one. And then the final one I want to talk about, which I think was on kind of under the radar, is running back Matt Breda, who also signed a VSB. All right, now I mentioned in the first segment how, you know, the Giants had to trim back some of their contracts that they were carrying because they couldn't afford to carry, you know, as, as good as Devonta Booker was last year, his cap hit just wasn't something they could afford to carry. So that being said, um, the Giants, you know, they swapped out Booker for Breda. Breda still has speed. You know, the thing with him, obviously, is he's got to stay healthy, which hopefully he should, given that he's going to split the rotation or split some snaps with Saquon Barkley. But this is a guy who could do everything that Booker could do. Now, um, 
and and by the way, you could do it for obviously less money than what Booker would have gotten this year. But um, yeah, so I think that was an underrated signing. A guy who obviously has the um, the experience with the uh, the Bills offense. You know, you see a, you see a pattern here with all these former Ravens and former Bills coming in, um, the corporate trainers as I call them. So I mean, Brita I think is going to be instrumental in helping the offense and plus Brita is a pretty good pass blocker all right so that's something that hasn't really been a strength of Saquon Barkley's in the past it's something I think Brita can bring to the table to again keep some of the wear and tear off of Barkley if the Giants are going to be looking for big things from him so those three guys you know they're all on one-year deals but the corporate trainers are good placeholders because as I've said before, now you don't have to rush the young kids that you drafted those positions into the lineup. And speaking of which as a final point that I'll make, because there's so many one year deals, you know, Joe Shane now doesn't have to go into this draft in April and say, Oh my God, I've got to draft X because I know you guys don't want to hear this, and, and you probably would prefer I not mention this, but Dave Gettleman, one thing that he always used to say that I agree with, and I think a lot of people, um, a lot of GMs and personnel people would agree with, is you cannot go into a draft saying, I got to have a fill-in-the-blank as far as position, you know, a center, an edge rusher, a quarterback, whatever the case may be. Because the second you have that, you will mess it up. You will force the pick. All right? This team has been guilty of doing that in the past. Eli Apple, I think, was a forced pick. You can make the argument that Daniel Jones was drafted a little higher than what he should have been. You know, you can't have that. You want to be in a position going into the draft to where, okay, we are truly going best available. And if it marries up with a need that we're going to have either today or down the line, even better. That's where you're going to build successfully or how you're going to build successfully. That's what I think Joe Shane wants to do with the Giants moving forward. And from a coaching perspective, knowing now that you have time because you've got veterans that can fill in the gaps for you now, but you also have time to where you can get these young kids up to snuff in your system and b bring them along slowly rather than just throwing them out there and potentially jeopardizing their confidence. That's all going to pay off in the long run. And that's why, you know, I sit here and I say, okay, I'm not overly confident that the Giants are going to be in the playoffs in 2022. But I think this slow and steady systematic building that they're doing is going to set them up for a good run in 2023 and that's when we're really going to see the football program take off if everybody stays healthy and if they stick to the plan i do think that the team is going to be better in 2022 but i'm tempering my you know I'm, I'm i'm just tempering my expectations as far as playoffs go and if it happens great i'll i'll take it if it doesn't then you know i have my logic laid out as to why it shouldn't so all right folks that will do it for today's episode again tomorrow's twitter tuesday get your questions in 
And also just as a heads up, um, I'm going to be starting to bring on the program, some of the locked on college hosts to talk about their respective schools or conferences, um, draft prospects and how they might be fits for the Giants. So that's something I'm going to look to get started hopefully this week. Um, I do have a, a draft analyst that I'm hoping to have on the show for Thursday. I think it's going to be because we're going to tape it Wednesday. It's going to be Thursday. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to start really going all out on the draft. And uh, I've asked you on Twitter some of the schools you want me to focus on and some of you have responded. So I've got those all on my list and I'm going to see what I could set up and hope that you will tune in. So um, as always, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And folks, we will catch you tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday.